awesome. Well, now it says Rohan Bono. It's not Bargava. Not looking yeah. at the name on the left hand. Regardless, so um, last time he and I spoke without doing a podcast about uh, about an app you were developing. And uh, what I was just saying to him before we started recording was I wanted to pick his brain about kind of doing the same thing I did. You know, I graduated University of Georgia in 2013, biology major, got into medical school, pharmacy school, decided not to do that. And through several years of unimaginable horror and existential crisis, I went from graphic design to writing to editing to everything else and landed on a podcast. And it's really only in the last year started to kind of work. And so for me, it was eight years, seven years of terror and it's finally coming to fruition. And you told me, you go, actually, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I got a corporate job. But to me, that's just as interesting because whereas we were both going down the cookie cutter path, deviated from it, I was stupid enough to stay with it. And you're looking at it and something has changed for you where you go, that's not what I want anymore. I, I want this job. Aside from that, introduce yourself real quick. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into it. Sure. Um, I'm Rohan. I think not too familiar with introductions, but um, I used to have a startup called Nuo. And uh, for professional experiences, um, I'm down in the product career path. So, you know, I can get guess kind of and you'll have to jump in here because I like the sound of my own mm-hmm. voice. So I'll ju- I will just talk for an hour uninterrupted. I kind of think about, you know, when I got into graphic design, like 2017, 18, and mm-hmm. I like, tried building my own business with it and it like really wasn't working, but I loved graphic design. I mean, there, r- reality does come knocking when you're 28 and living in your parents' house and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to retire and you can... I just want to follow my dream. And, you know, that's nice, Tom. You need to buy your own health insurance. (laughs) You know, you need to get the (laughs) fuck out of our house. You're almost 30. You know, it's like, all right. So the reason I say that is is because I remember slowly sort of not dashing my dreams, but definitely maybe bringing them back down to earth. I was like, maybe I won't Mm -hmm. be able to be some like wildly independent artist. But instead, there are still cool things. Like I reached out to a bunch of snowboarding companies. And I was like, okay, it's not graphic design for like like McDonald's where I would hate it. Instead, it's still crazy stuff. It's like naked women and Greek gods and, you know, on snowboards and skateboards. Like like kind of like punk rock. Like, oh, that's still really cool. And I ended up applying. And then I started the podcast. If I had stuck with graphic design, I can very much or like uh, independent breweries. Like they have a lot of cool labels. And to me you could kind of slither in between. You could still do the thing you loved and it didn't necessarily have to be selling out to making designs for Office Depot. But what the other things do provide is because reality comes knocking. You do have to buy food. My car takes gasoline. (laughs) Like, you know, I have a utilities bill. And so I definitely get the sort of weaving in and out. It doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you sold out, you gave up. No, not at all. It, there's very much a real world. Um, yeah. What, what, what originally led you to developing your app? And is it too much of a personal question? What has led you to moving back into the corporate job? 
Yeah, so I think when we started Nuo way back in 2020, uh, early 2020, um, that was beginning of COVID. Um, the company I was at was also a startup, uh, and they basically shut down their U.S. operations, leaving me, you know, to try and figure out what was going on next. Uh, they were in the food industry too, um, and I was working on a little bit of growth and trying to get into product that way. Uh, so. Got a lot of startup experience in a short amount of time. And with that, before I was kind of taking a data science and analytics boot camp, and I worked on a lot of projects there um, to try and beef up my coding skills. Um, and I took, you know, one of the projects that I was working on. Um, it was all about turning your life and kind of projecting it into the future. Like, what is it going to look like five, 10 years down the line? What are your goals? How do you uh, hit them? And it sort of was an idea that you could map it out virtually. Uh, that's a big idea, you know, a lot of moving parts with that. Uh, but what it really distilled down to, you know, with the research that I did was um, what skills can you improve in order to reach those goals? So if you want to do certain things, um, you can't, you know, stay stagnant. You always have to be learning, always got to be on your feet um, and working towards those goals. So that's where we took, um, that's where we started. And then I think on top of that, you know, there's a lot of like skilled development platforms out there. You know, you can go take a course, Coursera, Skillshare, wherever it may be. Um, and there's classes there, but there's nothing really out there for soft skills. So soft skills are important when you're just starting out in your career because you don't have any marketable skills. What are soft skills? Actually, uh, like leadership, communication, adaptability, like that sort of thing. So um, we figured out that that was a great place to start because it doesn't matter how old you are, soft skills are going to be important, right? When you're just starting out, you don't have any marketable skills. Your soft skills is what's going to carry you through to, you know, you know, your first to land your first job. Got it. Yeah. And then your soft skills need to improve so you can move away from, you know, the, the general skills to that more management style position. So that's when the different set of soft skills come into play. Um, so we ended up like, I ended up reaching out to, you know, a couple of professors at my alma mater in psychology, you know, just trying to learn more about soft skills and ended up, you know, really connecting with, um, professor, a professor there, he's been working in soft skills for a large part of his career, and you know his you know research was just coming out. So that the timing worked well there, uh, where we were able to partner up. Um, we were able to get his assessment, and before we really built anything, we got like a really small group of about a hundred college students together, uh, and really just asked them these small questions like, "What do you want to do with your life?" Um, you know, where do you see yourself like lacking and what do you need help with, right? To break away from college into the professional world. Um, and I think that's like a really big jump that a lot of colleges don't, they can't really prepare you for it uh, just because, you know, with a lot of students, I feel like it's really hard to have that personalization. Um, and I think with technology, uh, we're so used to that personalization. We're really craving that, um, that like attention to detail, that, you know, sometimes a university can't provide. So we got all these lists of answers. You know, someone's like, oh, I want to go to investment banking. Oh, I want to do, um, you know, get into the nonprofit sector and that sort of thing. And there's such a wide range of things. And 
there's so many resources out there that'll help you, uh, you know, fully understand what actually getting into that field means and you know what you have to do to get there. Um, so we would provide a whole list of like resources and like a small PowerPoint or PDF that we'd give to them and be like, Hey, is this helpful? Um, and all of them like wanted another one, you know, they were like, Oh, I love this. Like we give them like a detailed routine and on what to watch and what to read. And we take their preferences in and, um, you know, start off as a PowerPoint presentation essentially. And then once we realized that was something that was useful, um, that's when we turn it into a platform. So uh, once we got, you know, the partnership, I don't think I really ever expected it to, to turn into like a full-blown startup. I thought it was just like a project that just kind of spiraled into a startup. Um, and I grew up around startups. So in you know, Silicon Valley, so my, my parents were pretty um, supportive around it. They were like, you know, you should do it, you know, why not if you're gaining some traction and whatnot? So went down that path um, and, and it was great. So we ended up designing and this is where I learned design all on my own. You know, when it comes into startups, I think speed is is your the only thing that allows you to stay ahead because with big corporations, you know, it takes time. You know, there's a chain of command, but with two people, like, you know, decisions can just fly really quickly and if you start hiring like outside contractors, like there's still like a small team, but there's still like that communication that you have to go through. So, you know, if you're getting feedback um, from a user or a tester and they give it to you, you know, and you have to go back to somebody to get a new design and whatnot, um, that'll take like a couple days. So with me, like learning design was like a huge part of um, the early days and just being able to spit two, three iterations out, even in a day was nice. So we, we designed a platform that took in this small, short soft skill assessment that gauged your baseline um, of soft skills. So where, what you were strong at, what you were not strong at, uh, we figured out or would ask where do you want to, what do you want to do as a profession? Um, what are your content preferences? Like, do you like videos more? Do you like to read more? Do you like to listen to podcasts more? Um, and then we would just source content from all around the internet around these topics. And we would start recommending them to students. So we'd like create like makeshift playlists, if you will, around these soft skills. And we'd give content to the, anyone who would want it. Um, so I think we couldn't really do much other than sell it to universities because the students were the ones that were using it. So going down that route was the way to go. Uh, and we got in, we had our beta, we launched with, you know, we initially wanted five, but we went with six universities. Um, and we had a good spread, you know, from small private to, you know, big 10 large institutions. And, you know, they were in classes. We had clubs that would use the platform with, for their students. Um, and it was really a great way for, you know, the classes to distribute the content um, or for the clubs to store content and, and have like that one central location for everybody to, to just access it. And we had like comments and everything like that, where, you know, you could, um, show your thoughts and people could see it. So the biggest feedback we got from that was from all the students was we wanted more social. So I think everyone has like a bookmarks bar, you know, in Chrome or whatever, and you can save a bunch of links. So we had some similar feature, in the platform 
where you could create your own playlist that we didn't touch and you can you know add content from our site or like just paste a link and it'll store a bunch of content uh, and all these students were just creating their own playlist and they were talking about it offline and they were like when I would have these feedback sessions they were just like oh I want a way to like share this playlist that I made with my friends because right now it's just like a self-storage type of situation so we took it took a lot of uh, back and forth between me and my co-founder, you know, deciding what direction we wanted to take the startup after the beta, because we had a lot of interest from the administrators of the university saying like, hey, we want, you know, to, to you know, implement this full, but we want like a really deep like analytics side to, uh, to get insight into the students to help them. Um, so do we go down that route and stay enterprise or do we switch over to more like social platform? Um, I think for me, like the social side seemed a hell of a lot of a bigger idea and it seemed a lot more scalable. Um, and it just, to me, it seemed like something that was missing, right? So sending links to your friends over a text or in like a group chat doesn't really work. But if you have it in an app where you can refer back to it anytime and you just have your friends add content and you can see it on a newsfeed, that would be a really great way to interact with content that people, um, that you know with or or people that you know are interacting with. So we went down that path. Um, and I think that was where we made like our first mistake. So we raised, I know, our pre-seed round at that point, And we had full steam ahead to switch over from a web platform to a mobile platform. Um, so we had momentum with a web platform and then we changed it over completely to a mobile. And on top of that, we didn't do... Um, Android, we just did iOS. So, you know, a native platform, a really smooth and easy to use app. That was like our goal. And then we'd start there. So I think that would be one of the, the mistakes that I look back on and being like, hey, you know, if we had that momentum on the web, there wasn't necessarily a need to like shut that down and, and just completely switch over to a mobile. We could have, you know, kept a good momentum going and introduce smaller changes as we went along. I mean, we could have done a big update, but um, I think that's definitely a lesson learned. But I think the the biggest thing and the biggest surprise for me was after everything had been built, you know, we were still able to get a good, good traction and good interest in it. But a lot of, I think, investors in, in the social space, um, every single one of them was and I think it's still the landscape here is to go down that web three route. So with crypto and, and the blockchain technology, and they wanted to see like a plan to implement that with something like this. And a lot of investors were like, you know, there has not been any innovation in the social space, you know, since Facebook really, or Snapchat. And those were all almost like 10 years ago now, but they're still being used. And, you know, they're the ones that are, no one has really come in since, um, you know, to, to match that level. So they didn't have the confidence that anything other than a crypto or um, blockchain technology would, would take over. So for me, I wasn't, I didn't really fully understand or, you know, have the, the faith that uh, blockchain technology could scale to, you know, your grandma could use it to, you know, a, a teenager using it. I didn't see that becoming an all encompassing, um, thing like even in 10 years 
Um, and even with right now, just the the difficulties that it, it takes to to create um, an application to implement any sort of cryptocurrency um, is still a little bit shaky. So to have like a five-year plan around that just didn't make a lot of sense. And honestly, I don't know a lot about the space. So I know a lot of people and a lot of startups are, are going down that route, even though it's a fairly unexplored space, which I think is fine for certain things like, sure. you know, more like slow enterprise um, things that don't need, that have a very niche audience and don't need to, to scale to a level that a social network needs to scale at because you'll always have your, your select group of customers. Um, but to have something that's so new and, and honestly untrusted in society to, to bank on that um, scaling was just something that I, I couldn't see. So I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that would probably be the ultimate reason why um, things didn't work out in that space. And the whole reason for a transition is honestly just to, to get that experience, right? So building something on your own and doing it um, is great. You know, it's, it's, it's an experience that's probably like unmatched and you, know, you can't get that anywhere else. Even if you work at a startup, it's not your startup. So the decisions that you make and, and all those things, like you learn through the, the failures of your bosses and those people that make the wrong decisions and that sort of thing. So you'll, you can, you won't really fully, I think, understand that. Um, but to me, like with my transition years, especially with Walmart, you know, you're at the, the forefront of a marketplace battle with the two largest marketplaces in the world and these huge companies and will really give me a great space to, to just learn, you know, more of like the product side of things, um, you know, really get, just grow my, my tool set um, so that when I go back to, to do my next startup, which I definitely plan to do at some point in my career, um, you know, I'll be much better equipped to, to go and, and not make the same mistakes and actually take some learnings from a big corporation that knows exactly what they're doing and, and implement it correctly. Um, in terms of like blockchain and crypto, I don't know a goddamn thing about them. But people are always like, Tommy, are you in the crypto space? Just the podcast? I'm like, dude, I, I screen record with QuickTime Player, an app that no one's downloaded in a decade and a half, and then I upload it. That's it. So I'm with you on that. Um, we were talking about with like mistakes and stuff about jumping from web to, to mobile. And again, all, which is all just gibberish to me, not because you didn't do a good job explaining it. It's because again, I screen record with QuickTime player. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, did you and your, your co-founder, your, your partner, did you guys agree on the mistakes? Do you guys, do you think you have the same are you in agreement in hindsight about like, ah, that's what went wrong? Yeah, I think we, we both have, um, I think we, we, for the most part, definitely agree on those things. We, he was more responsible for the growth side of things. So I think his lens and, and his views on, on, you know, where we went wrong, um, aren't different, but they would just be, you know, a little bit more tuned to what, he did and, and everything like that. So he more so has to take my word, I guess, sure. for like, you know, oh, if we'd stuck with mobile, like, you know, with the whole iteration process when it comes to building a new product, we would have been able to to keep, a, you know, the momentum going. Um, and I think he can agree with that from a growth standpoint, right? Where you, where he doesn't have to like sell something whole, a whole new 
like app to the same user base or you're trying to expand it that way. Uh, so he didn't have to rewrite his playbook like he did. He could have just, you know, changed it a little bit to more of the social side. So from that point of view, I think we definitely agreed um, on those. Do you think it would have slowed things down if there was like three of y'all or four of y'all? No, I think that was another mistake that we made was we just, we didn't fully have um, an engineer working on us full time. So ultimately we did have an engineering team, but I think starting off with an engineer from the beginning would have been huge for us yeah. um, rather than like me trying to do everything and then, you know, delegating to contractors and everything like that. So I think from a, it also, I guess, depends on, on who you are and, and what you feel comfortable with. But I think like an all-star founding team would have, you know, well, someone who's really great at product well, an engineer and then a growth. Well, 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 I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, again, biology major here, the first like 300 episodes, no, I think first 500 episodes were on a MacBook. It wasn't mm-hmm. until episode 200 that I got this microphone. I think episode 300, I got a webcam. I think episode 500, I got an iMac. I think episode 600, I got like a 4K camera. All the while, like getting lights, getting soundproofing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, I didn't know shit. And I always just assumed that if, if I, and th- this isn't shade at you, but I was always just like, God, if I had like a video audio guy, <laughs> yeah. eventually you do. Well, the point I was getting at is, it's because when things are smaller, you can move more quickly. And mm-hmm. the benefit that that has is you do have to, because when you're going up, when you're in the same space as an Apple or a, a Walmart or a GM, they are going to fuck you with their with their power and their market cap. So you have to use the only weapon you have, which is speed and agility. Mm-hmm. To me, so what I was getting at is, is I was I was wondering, I wonder what would have happened if it was just you. Because I look at, and again, this is my own limited experiences, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I look at like just me. Early on, early on, I wasn't too concerned with like audio video. My first thing was like, I just got to get a guest, and so I yeah. literally just like kind of like like beat a friend over the head via text. And I was like, dude, just, just, I need you to be guest one, just sit there and we'll talk. And it was like during the Hong Kong protest, like right before COVID started, he was like, yeah, he's like fine. And we talked about it. It was, it was horrifically politically incorrect. There was dead air. The echoing was terrible, but all I needed was guest one. And I needed mm-hmm. guest one so that I could text a friend from a different social circle who doesn't know the first guy. And now this guy only has to be guest two. There's a lot less burden on him. Yeah, did all the things mm-hmm. too. You get through two or three of those. Then you go to Reddit and you just, all right, I'm reading a book on the Navy. I literally just went to like our Navy and found a guy that worked on a Navy ship like 30 years ago. Completely unsexy, unglamorous. But now it could be like, hey, man, start a podcast. You know, do you want to be like episode six? Like, I'm just trying to get different people in it. You know, that was easier. And then you go to episode mm-hmm. 10, I managed to get on like an ex NASA scientist. And then 20, and then 50. By episode 95, I had on Mike Durant, the Black Hawk Down pilot, who's now running mm-hmm. for Senate. But the point what I'm getting at is, is I was so I was able to fail and fail wildly and in quick succession and in dramatic succession, having on a kid that survived a school shooting. And then the next day, a guy comes on and is like, 
dude, that guy, that kid you had on, state actor, crisis actor. And I was like, that's okay. Learning lesson. <laughs> Got to vet people more. Can't have on crazy. Yeah. You have this traumatized kid and the next guy is like, he's a fucking CIA agent. And I was like, all right, this is a bit of a learning curve. Like, you know, so now it's, now it's better. Like I'm you, I'm like, all right, I've talked to you before. I know he can come on. We're going to be good. You're not going to start bringing up crazy shit. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least not crazier than I am. But the point of this whole rant is you can kind of move quicker and quicker through these things. And you can also maneuver it in different ways. And now once you've gotten 200 guests, you can go, all right, the priority now is not getting a million guests. You've now got this bulk, which little pro tip podcasting, no one's going to look at all 200 episodes. They just see that you have mm-hmm. 200. They're not going to go in and realize half of them are just you and your asshole friends. Just, yeah. oh, 200, all right. That's when it was like, all right, I should probably at least buy a better webcam or I should at least put blankets around me so it's like less echoey. And then mm-hmm. you just move from there and then and then that whole cycle repeats itself. I've found an author just to be the first author. Now I've had on like 100 authors. Now I've had on several people running for Congress. The point of me getting at this though is when it's just you and ideally you want the engineer. Ideally you want the audio video guy. If I just had a guy that could just schedule guests, this would be so much easier. But there is a sort of invaluable aspect to not having any of that. Because when you're thrown Mm -hmm. in the water, you very quickly are like, we're swimming or we're drowning. Ideally, I'd love to have a life jacket. And you just, even now, I'm sure I'm doing things right now. I'm sure I'm talking in a way right now during this very episode that in a year I'll look back on and be like, oh my God, why did I do that? But that is what I think forces it forward. And mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is, is like you're obviously a bright guy. You obviously are passionate about this. I, I wonder what would happen if you just went solo because there's it's a dictatorship. You get to make all your own decisions. But like it, there are the downsides. You don't have a whole team around you. But when the only asset you have for me against a Joe Rogan or a Tim Dillon or whoever I'm like, I have speed, I have speed and I can email guests. So, you know, when we were withdrawing from Afghanistan or Kabul, wherever the hell it was last fall, I very quickly went through like a bunch of, and I got in touch with the Marine like at the airport and I was able to have him on. You can just very quickly move through something. And that's really the only asset I have. It's still very tiny. My podcast is very tiny and I'm permanently banned from YouTube for interviewing Dr. Robert Malone. But all those limitations do force you to just utilize the one thing you have. I think if I had a team, and I don't say this as I think because I, I started like a graphic design company, like a, like a writing company, 2016, 2018 respectively. And I would, in hindsight, I would say probably the biggest drawback was that I had like a co-founder. Interesting. Even if it's, and it's fast because you guys can text back and forth. Can we do this? But even that is a barrier. And I'm sure your co-founder is great. I'm not trying to shit on him. (laughs) But there's something about it being a, it's just you. Who am I going to, I don't need to text anyone. I'm doing this. Because when that's the only thing you have against everything else, you don't have resources you don't have experience you don't have any sort of reputation in the space when the only thing you have is speed god you better just put a cinder block on that throttle and just go all the way forward 
So instead of even texting, hey, dude, do you think we should do this hoodie? It's just I'm doing this. Guess having Rohan on today. We're doing Rohan today. Okay, who am I having? A guy right now wants to do it. Okay, we're going to finish this one up short. We're going to have this guy on next. I'm going to take tomorrow off. No, I'm not. I'm going to have on three guys next week. You can move so quickly. And it's it's the only thing you have. The SR-71 Blackbird, the spy plane from the Cold War, had no defensive measures. What it could do is fly at 85,000 feet. And what it could do is fly at Mach 3. No flares, no stealth, had some stealth. What it would do, the Soviets detected it. That's the thing. We always thought the Soviets, no, they knew it was there. Mm-hmm. They, when they'd fire a missile, we'd just go, oh, fuck. we just <laughs> put the gas on. It's because it's the only defense it had. A battleship is slow and lumbering, mm-hmm. but the walls are like three feet thick of armor. It's like, yeah, dude, shoot your best shot. What the fuck you want? Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I know I've been rambling for like 10 minutes, but do you get what I'm getting at? Like, I wonder if it was just, it was just you. And it's not over. I mean, clearly, you can still do it. But man, when you get pushed yeah, into think, that water, you got to swim. I think to, to some extent, um, I think it just depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. I think when it comes to decision making at any level, like there's still like a hierarchy. Sure. So, you know, when it comes to those decisions, um, you know, it was pretty easy to not get bogged down and, um, going back and forth to make decisions. So making decisions was, was pretty easy, but I think when it comes to making like the bigger decisions and then the pivots and all those things, like, um, and even with your life decisions, right, you don't make all those big ones on your own, right? You rely on your friends, you talk to your family, you have other people to talk to. And when you're running a business, I think it's the same. Like you, if you live in the silo um, of your own mind, then it could be very difficult. Yeah. Um, for you to make like all the right big decisions. So, you know, the small day-to-day decisions, you know, you agree like, okay, well, one person can make that decision. One Like that's the CEO's job, right? You have the vision, you lead the product down the right way. Um, but ultimately you go into business with other people who share the same vision, who, you know, respect you and you respect them. And you guys want to build something great together. So, I don't think like I I would say that going down to create a business on your own, um, it can be done, but I'm not sure. And I think most of the VCs would feel the same way. Um, A lot of them talk about it like, oh, are you a single founder? Um, You know, they worry about it because fatigue, you know, gets in there, you know, burnout is really real. Um, it's all there and there's so many moving pieces with a startup, especially with tech um, that, you know, in engineering, it's a full-time job. So if you're like, you know, trying to sell your company and trying to code it and trying to design it, like that's like three full-time jobs. And I think in any case, like it's always good to delegate, you know, know what your strengths are, play to it. And then what you're not so great in, you're supposed to delegate. And I think that's where, not saying like when you're or when you are building a team, a founding team, that's, you know, what you should do. In my opinion, I think, especially with tech, I think, um, again, for like smaller businesses. So I did also freelance. So I freelance consulted design websites, um, for people. That's something I can do on my own. There's no need for, for anyone to, to be a part of that. Like I can go out, find my own clients and work with them, figure out what the specs are, design it myself, 
and then, you know, don't have time to develop it anymore, but now I have a great, you know, team of developers that will just go ahead and do it. And it's, there's no need for me to have, you know, anyone else involved. And, you know, I'm not trying to scale it to, to be anything like huge. So I think with scale, you need like a team. And I, I think that I'm sure you can agree with me there, but if you're just trying to do, you know, something in the beginning, um, then yeah, you have to, to do it on your own. And I think you don't ever, you should never start off, um, you know, with a huge team behind you, uh, unless it's like absolutely necessary. I think that's actually, I think that's actually pretty brilliant. I think, I think I'm comparing my experiences. It's almost like, uh, like track and field or something. Like I'm explaining like my experiences, I, not literally, I can barely go a mile, but it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like explaining like how to run a marathon. And it's like this personal discipline. It's just you. No one's going to diet for you. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And all you're explaining like how to win the Super Bowl. And it's like, dude, you yeah. can grind all day. Do you have an offensive coordinator? Who the hell mm-hmm. is cleaning the locker? Who's, who's scouting for other people? You truly cannot do it all. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a thousand percent. This works for me because it's me in front of a camera. I'm not trying to roll out a product that needs customer support and needs to go yeah. win seed funding. And yeah, they're wildly different. Yeah, actually, yeah, you'd probably fail horrifically if you went out solo. Yeah, so I guess yeah. my, my entire rant earlier is completely... <laughs> not not applicable at all to you <laughs> i think yeah and it may not be directly applicable to the startup world um but i mean for you and what you're doing with your business 100 percent is and i think with most people who are starting out like even with this like i started out alone and then i had to like convince my co-founder to quit his job to like join right so it took him like a few months to be like oh okay like this is real this is happening we're gonna do it so i still started out alone and you know he started to commit a little bit more and more time you know as we you know landed a a partnership you know we got a grant you know we got you know grouped together you know things started to to roll and and that sort of thing and and you i guess someone's going to start with the idea alone and then it'll cascade, you know, sometimes it'll grow really quickly. Like one day you have the idea and the next you have like your four co-founders and friends and all that stuff. And it can happen very quickly or it can happen very slowly. Um, I have met, you know, people that have just done it alone. You know, those are like just absolutely crazy freaks. They listen to their stories of what they're doing. You know, like they sleep like three hours a night and like, they're not real people. Those are, those are your musks. Those are your, yeah. yeah, It's like, okay, well, yeah. That it's a whole nother like breed. They're a different species, man. They're a different, you and I can't compete with them. They're a different species. Um, so, and I know you kind of went into, to, to why you're doing what you're going to do now do you have hopes to, and I know I've already kind of asked that, are you going to lean back into, lean back into developing anything, maybe, maybe, maybe not new, just anything at all? Um, or is it just, I mean, shit, sometimes like the red pill is, is like, Hey man, I got a salary. I got insurance. Like, fuck do I want to do all of that for, man? Like, this is good. Like, I don't literally everyone I know has like a comfortable job. Parents, mm-hmm. family, friends, I completely get it. But do you, 
I feel like to have ever gone on that and started on that journey at all, you have to have an inquisitive mind and you have to have a curious mind to think, can I make it better? Can I do it on my own? Fuck this guy. I could do this. I could do it better. Mm -hmm. I I think Steve Jobs said that like the most profound moment in any entrepreneur's life is when they look at things that they formerly perceived as static and unchanging. There are streetlights. There are stores nearby. Your refrigerator keeps things, just these basic things that you just take as reality. When you start to realize that they're not static and unchanging, but rather you can poke it and somewhere else something pokes out. And you go, oh, this whole thing is a, it's a dance and you can get in there. And we just make phone calls on landlines. And it's like, yeah, dude, or you invent the iPhone. Like, which, and there's obviously a lot of steps in between. Is there something in your mind that to have ever started on that journey at all, you had to have seen it as like, I can jump in there. I can do this dance. These guys aren't smarter than me. Like, yeah. Do you, is it going to, do you think it, do you think it's going to be like the siren's call? Are you going to work for a couple of years? aside some money and do you think it's eventually it's just going to kind of be like whispering in your ear and you're going to be like I can, I can do this shit i can do like jumanji or something i think for me i'm always like thinking of, of new things um and i think that comes with just constantly getting like new exposure to, to new topics or meeting new people and all that um so i think surrounding yourself with great people interesting people is pretty important um for me like I love like watching these random fun YouTube videos. Like one of them was like, Oh, how do you fix traffic? Or, you know, how does the shipping industry work? Yeah. Like stuff that, you know, I'm not really in, but like you said, like everything in this world is connected in one way or the other. Right. Um, so just learning about a bunch of different things. Cause you never know, you know, like one industry might, you know, affect a completely different industry and you can, use ideas that you don't have to reinvent the wheel or anything like that um, unless you do, you know? So I, I'm always thinking about, you know, different things, whether it's something small that I want to change or, you know, something big. And I think when the time is right, you know, I will make that leap again and I will make that decision. Um, but I don't think it's going to be anything that'll build up per se. I think it's just something that's constantly happening and, and in my head and, and things like that. Um, and I think the biggest thing that with startups and I think with companies, it's not necessarily the idea or anything. It's all about timing, right? I think like Zoom is a huge thing. Like Zoom was just a regular yeah. um, thing. Like Skype was a thing. Like before that, Microsoft Teams, you got Cisco WebEx and then COVID hit. And then for some reason, you know, Zoom had the perfect placement for everything and they took off, you know? So they were in a tiny company for years before, and then they blew up. Um, and, it, and it all comes down to timing, I think. Do you, so, think, do you think Zoom funded the Wuhan lab? <laughs> no, I do not think that, that. Do you think that's the that's the ultimate rabbit? It's yeah, you you followed the transactions back, and it goes all the way to Zoom. That's the, the ultimate conspiracy the theory. Ultimate man, it's the all, all, Fauci all the way back to he works for Zoom. That's the way it goes. Um, so, all right. So let's 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 switch then. 
what advice would you have for someone like me who is obsessively solo? I mean, mm-hmm. obsessively to a point where there's, I think even if my God bless, if my podcast grew and grew and grew, there would be a part of me that I wouldn't even want someone to do like the, like I don't edit, like I drag a file into like iMovie and I just, you know, it just exports it so it's in a smaller format and it kind of auto fixes the audio. Something that truly there's no unique input, even just uploading to Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey or whatever, copying, pasting, like here's where you can find me social media just copying and pasting to twitter even those little things <clears throat> i still i mean obviously i do the podcast me and i like reaching out to guests because every guest you kind of have to put like a different flavor on like the request like hey, i've seen you do this i've seen you do that it's kind of intuitive and i think if i had someone else do that it, i wouldn't yield the same results but even the the shit that has no unique tommy fingerprint you could do it. My mom could do it. Just drag drop. Even those things. I've thought about it and I still don't think I'd like to hand that over because I think maybe there's a pride in it. Like I do the whole thing. Maybe there's like a, you got to be able to like make your bed and like clean your bathroom if mm-hmm. you want to be able to like run a company well because you got to take care of everything at every level. And maybe if I start to pawn those off, those will sow seeds of, of resting on my laurels that will eventually manifest years down the road into a worse product. I'm Maybe it's just OCD. I just, I don't want to relinquish any control to anyone. To me, if it's, if the project is getting bigger and bigger, to the point where I need more people. To me, that's a good problem to have, and it just means that I have to get more efficient with my own time. Figure it mm-hmm. out. Figure it the fuck out. I can't do. I don't understand video. You get to a point where you go, I have to teach myself video audio. I just I have to do it. And now I know it. I don't know every little. I don't know every program. I don't know how to edit. But you know what? I know the basics. I know which buttons to press, and it works. What is your advice to someone like me who? You champion teams, whereas I have gone on a couple rants now on why I think they would do nothing but hold me back. Or is there any advice to be given at all? Do we? Is it just apples and oranges? No, there's got to be advice. If I say there's no advice, that's just me being an arrogant piece of shit. What advice would you give me? Um, I think well, for where you're at, I would probably agree with you that having a team would slow you down. Um, but... I would just say, kind of look at how you described to me how you changed like your whole setup, right? When you didn't have, you know, microphone and you got a microphone, you know, you got some soundproofing and all that. So like you made those changes to better your podcast, right? To make the experience for the viewer better. Um, But that's only like one aspect of it, right? So you can, what I like, would recommend is just talk to people, talk to other podcasters, you know, see what, what their journey is like, you know, what's their current setup look like, you know, what's their podcast routine, if you will, um, you know, talk to the viewers. If you can get in touch with some viewers, see like, Hey, like what do you like about it? But may, maybe more so focus on what they don't like about it. Um, 
and then even talk to the guests. Like, how was your experience? How can I better improve your experience? That sort of thing. So you get a well-rounded, you know, group of feedback for you to improve on in every way. So you can improve your guest experience, you can improve your viewer experience, and you can improve your own experience as a podcaster to improve, you know, your your routine and, and pick and choose what you like. Um, you're a graphic, if you had a graphic design company, um, I would assume you could probably make a pretty sweet intro to yeah. your podcast and, you don't know, put some stuff out there. If, if it's your business, then you are your brand, right? So how can you make a way to uh, improve your brand? And I think like having a cool graphic would be like a really great way to start it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I think just focus on making like those small incremental improvements, right? So you got your, your sound and your background all done, you know, maybe work on video editing or stuff like that. And none of have to be crazy stuff, right? But the small improvements. And I think talking to a lot of people that are doing what you're doing and, you know, talking to your, your customers essentially is, is a big piece to improve. What advice or, okay, now just be like, just be like viciously honest looking at my podcast. What could you do better? And I don't even mean that as like a dare. I mean, like, just pr- pretend I'm not here. Drop all humility. Just look at it and be like, so even like right now, like I could look at you and I'd be like, well, you know, you could, I don't know, just put a black sheet behind you. So it's like a uniform color or something like, like what, what are you, when you look at this, you go, I could, I could do this better. Fuck this guy. I could do this better. I could do this. Tommy, you're nice, but dude, I could, you're, you're such an idiot. I don't like doing that. I feel like brutal honesty, like That's the only for way me, this thing grows, man. That's um, the only way this thing grows. I think to, to some extent, I hate giving advice for things that I don't really know too much about. So I think, you know, with your, your podcast knowledge. <laughs> yeah, you see exactly. We wild speculation. I, I want to give That's what's terrible advice. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like your setup. I think you got a, a good background and everything. Like for me, my... <laughs> I'm big on I'm big on um, experience. I think for me, the one thing that I would improve isn't this interaction. I think it would be um, more so having a really cool intro and outro. You know, you can probably make that just like super seamless, super sweet. Um, And I don't think it has to be different for every episode. I think a lot of podcasts that I listen to, um, you know, the second I turn it on, I know exactly like what podcast is because they have like this unique jingle to it. and then they they got and your video too. So now you could have like some some video um, to it, and then you could just have like a voiceover, like you know, as an intro to lay the groundwork. And that's maybe the only thing that you do different for every episode. So you record it, and then I think having that little intro um, really like sets the stage, especially if you have like two hundred episodes. Then you know if someone jumps in or like you have what seven hundred episodes, you're saying so like if someone just jumps in on like episode 760, then, you know, they're, they don't have to have any context. Like they'll know, okay, this is Tommy. This is what he does. This is who he's interviewing. I'm like, that's it. And it can be that for every episode. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. when you are saying you don't like to give advice to something you don't know anything about, I sat here for 10 minutes and gave you advice on why <laughs> you don't need a team. And you very uh, respectfully we're like, this is why you do need a team. You dipshit. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, you can't do this on your own, man. This isn't, you can't build a Tesla just by yourself. It's a great story. I build it from the ground. You need a team. Even if it's just a janitor, you need a team. 
Um, I think in circumstance, I think you could be right. Yeah, you but, are right about it for some things, but but sometimes that's. I mean, on a, on like a on like a light side, sometimes that's what's fun is just wild speculation. Like, mm-hmm. let me tell you what the federal government's doing wrong with yeah. the pandemic <laughs> response. I know I'm in pajama pants and I graduated college eight years ago with a biology degree, but let me tell you about how to operate a, a vaccine rollout for 300 million people. Like, mm-hmm. some of it's just hey, let me tell you about what they should have done on the moon. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what's kind of fun. But, and this is only like 5% true, there, are, there is also some value in bringing like a completely like virgin set of eyes mm-hmm. on a problem. And you come in and you go like, you know, why are you doing that? How come you're doing a blimp? Why not if you just made it like lighter than air, like really light kind of, and then you get like the right flyer instead of a Zeppelin. And all of a sudden it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, why didn't we do that? Now that... I don't think that really ever happens in history. It's normally very smart people pressing on one issue, but sometimes you need, you need that sort of, I mean like the guy's trying to make money off the drug that was like a nitrate or a nitrite that like dilated blood vessels uh, for men with heart issues. So that if you're having chest pain, you take this, it would dilate the vessels so that you wouldn't get a clot mm-hmm. and it didn't really work. But every guy that took it also just got boners and there's feedback on that and someone went hey let's pivot that's viagra i'm not even making that up that's Viagra. i've heard that story so they went and made billions maybe maybe the scientists maybe there's not the fulfillment maybe they're like i really wanted to like change you know cardiology but okay whatever you know a couple billion in the bank isn't bad either sometimes you actually do need that though like you can you get someone instead of going oh it's a massive failure you got someone going Hey, hold on a second. <laughs> this is men have been praying to gods about this for millennia. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there is something like that. I don't really know if there's a question in there, if I was just rambling, but yeah, I, I would say no. I would say it is valuable. So even if you don't know anything about podcasting, I would say that's a hundred percent valuable to just mm-hmm. look at it and and dole out wild speculation. And it might not be anything, but it might be everything. Yeah. I, I, I guess my experience with podcasts would just be listening to them. So yeah, all right. my first time yeah. you know, being on a podcast. Yeah, fuck it, you're fine. No, you're doing great, dude. You're already doing better than I did on my first episode. Um, I guess we'll do like 10 more minutes. Um, what do you want to touch on that we haven't touched on? What, what's more on your mind that, what's more on your mind that maybe I, I haven't, I haven't, you know, like the metal detector. That's what doing <laughs> podcasts is, is. It's kind of like a metal detector and you kind mm-hmm. of see what lights someone up. And then you press into there. What's like really on your, on your, maybe it's nothing about this. Maybe you're just <clears> like, dude, we're going to get hit by a goddamn asteroid and I can't stop thinking about it. Like, I don't know. What's on your mind? I think for me, the biggest thing on my mind is I think just getting, I'm very excited to, you know, start a new chapter when it comes to work. Um, that's been something fun. Um, I think it's pretty crazy. It's been, like having two weeks off ever since, you know, I committed to that has just been like a weird time where I, you know, was just working constantly to now like not even interviewing, just like having time off. To, like, yeah. What am I going to do? Like yeah. for two weeks, it's been, it's been a crazy week and a half and still have like, you know, a few more days to go. But yeah, having free time and, and having that, that detox has been, um, 
something that I've been just thinking about, like, what do I do with my time? And obviously you've been doing a lot of, um, you know, just organizing and cleaning and, you know, getting things I want. I've been uh, getting into golf, getting back into golf, which is nice. So we can uh, have some time. It feels weird to be like the not retired person playing with a bunch <laughs> of retirees in the middle of the day. Everyone's kind of like questioning, like, well, what it was is, kid doing on the golf course you're the entrepreneur you're like you never heard of Milo (laughs) bitch I'm retired yeah yeah um so that's always fun um and yeah I think just sort of planning things out I want to get a motorcycle until I got my license um that has been huge Uh, for me that like research and that terrifies me man that terrifies I think it terrifies a lot of people oh god dude it's girlfriend and my mom are not dude not happy but man i'm not happy i'm i'm 30 and i'm gonna be like an old boomer parent like dude i i love grand theft auto mm-hmm. i love muting grand theft auto and just listening to audiobooks and i kind of it's almost like a fidget spinner i just kind of use it to like absorb books i'll just kind of be driving around and i've mm-hmm. always even when not audiobooks i mean i've been doing that since Grand Theft Auto, like Vice City, San Andreas, Liberty City, GTA. I've been truly been doing this for like 15, 16 years. It's how I wow. I would do it at the end of every like pre-med in college. It's what I do at the end of that. I would just zone out and just kind of drift around and drive. That being said, I've never, I never do it with a motorcycle because <laughs> I just found that tiniest mistakes where it's normally like a scratch on the fender or like maybe you, you bump into a cop by accident i just always found now granted it's a video game i just always hated it because I, I would just die i would constantly die i'd hit something go flying right into a light pole dead and so i've always avoided, avoided motorcycles for that because i was just like in my thousands of hours of mindlessly driving a mistake somewhere else is like a fender bender or you know whatever you spin around or flip a mistake here is instant death and I have to respawn. So for me, it's just been an annoyance. But I carry that over in a real life. And I'm like, there has to be some truth to that for a real thing. I don't it's know, It's definitely man. very dangerous. It's, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's dangerous. I think, like, for me, I, I love, like, just driving. I love cars. So having, you know, the time to just go out for a drive is nice to clear your head, you know, find a nice twist your road, you know really feel the car, have fun. Um, that's great. But in a, with a motorcycle, it'll just be a little bit more, it'll be just a different experience, you know, a little bit more freedom on the road. You're more like in with the elements, um, if you will. You know, I just definitely plan to be like safe about it. So I still keep the car, go, you know, take out the bike when it's necessary, when it, I guess the, when it's conducive. So not during rush hour, you know, when, your chances of getting into an accident are higher, you know, maybe on the weekends um, or at odd hours when there's not any rain. And I'm living in California, you know, um, unfortunately in a drought, but, you know, that means you don't get a lot of rain here. So being safe with it, I think, especially when you're starting out is important. And that's what I really plan to do. And that's why I think a lot of the time off has been spent doing that. Um doing like the right research, you know, got to get the right gear, got to get the appropriate starter bike. Um, I'm tall. So having like a, a good bike that isn't like uncomfortable is huge. Um, and, and that's something that you need to take into account. So all the little nuances, you know, 
try to prepare myself for it and be the safest I can once I get on the road. I'd heard someone talk about it before. I don't remember who. It was years ago. It was someone on Rogan. And it wasn't like their thing. I think it was a comedian. But they, mm-hmm. they rode motorcycles. And I think Rogan kind of had, like me, just the same, like, dude, why? But the guy explained it as, like, he's like, yeah, no, I mean, that can happen. But he was like, what it forces you to do is he's like, it's not even remotely the same. You know when you drive your car versus like when you drive a friend's car and all of a sudden you kind of have to think about it because you're like, oh, this isn't the sort of extension of myself. Mm-hmm. He was like, it's that times a thousand. He was like, you are so hyper aware. Every Your peripheral vision is dialed up to like 10. You know where every car, you're not just kind of casually looking in your mirror. You know where mm-hmm. everything is. You're looking behind in front of, what am I doing if I have to swerve? Where am I going? He was like, it's all, he's like, it's a mentally draining, but absolutely exhilarating experience. He's like, you are so, he's like, you drive safer than you do when you're in a car because you're so mm-hmm. dialed in. It's almost kind of like the entrepreneur thing. You get thrown out of the comfort zone. You got a nice little yeah. chair at the air conditioning on. You got the iPod in. You're just kind of, you know, driving around one hand on the steering wheel versus like, like i am on two wheels i am a minute away from a coffin at any given time but then there's also the benefit of like you're on a goddamn rocket like in the elements i mean it's like riding it it's like the modern day equivalent of like riding like a dragon like you're flying around on this like Mm -hmm. gas guzzling machine I guess it's the benefit you know yeah it's wildly dangerous but it forces you to fine hone your attention to detail and to be wary of the giant apples around you, the, the Microsoft's, the semi trucks, the, the SUVs. And the benefit is, is that you can kind of zoom in and out and do shit. And it's kind of sexy, right? You can always, well, you have a girlfriend, but you know, you know, it's kind of badass. but then you also might like hit a brick wall at 90. And I guess I can't really criticize a motorcycle. If I went from getting in a medical school, the big cushy SUV, to doing a podcast in a tiny bedroom, trying to make it work, that is a motorcycle. Yeah. Well, fuck me. I guess you're right. Get the motorcycle, man. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, I'm sold. I'm going to get one, too. Now I'm going to die. Go. It's going to be your fault. You're going to play the bagpipes at my funeral. But... Mr. Rohan Bargava. Is that is that correct? Is, is it Bargava? It's Benone. Benone. So my, my mom's maiden name is Bargava. God, I'm such an idiot. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. But no. Rohan, thank you very much for coming on, my friend. Of course. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your story. Likewise. Podcast is always here. Love to have you on again. And uh Love to be on again. I will like to say I told you so in a couple of years when you go out and make some fucking app and you're like that psychopath. <laughs> You said it was going to happen. Or not. Or are you just going to be wildly successful at your corporate job and have a wife and kids and find fulfillment and look at me and wonder why I'm not in a mental mental institution. But um, who knows, man, or somewhere in between. It was a pleasure talking to you, man. I'll text you when this episode is up. Look forward to talking to you again sometime. And thank you very much for your time, my friend. Awesome, man. Had a great time. You too, buddy. Godspeed. Thank you. Recording stopped. Peace. <laughs>